Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a new day here on the Sugar Shack Podcast with your host, Suge White. That's right, Suge White. Today, we are going to be talking about pro wrestling and why they call us pro wrestlers the boys in our Peter Pan syndrome. Also, some of the pranks that we pull, some of the ripoffs that we do. Uh, just professional wrestling is such a unique business. And we'll get into how any other job you'd be arrested, fired. I mean, just, uh, you know, fine for bullying, whatever it may be. Um, but first, uh, let's go ahead and go to our sponsor. Um, I got to plug our sponsor real quickly. Um, ladies and gentlemen, the world famous flea market is the best and the worst in professional wrestling on YouTube. It's a show every Tuesday as a new episode at noon with fantastic commentary by hot Johnny August and Ross. I'm drunk Vegas. If you've not seen the show and you want to laugh about the worst professional wrestling you've ever seen with the greatest commentary ever go to the world famous flea market on YouTube, new episodes every Tuesday at noon. All right. So let's see here. Um, in professional wrestling, we are affectionately uh, known as the boys. Um, and I think you could probably get the reasoning for that. Um, that's kind of who we are in our personality. We obviously, I mean, there's a lot of factors on why somebody gets into the business of professional wrestling. And I think when you're younger and you decide to become a wrestler, it's for different reasons than as you get older. Um, it's kind of like, uh, you know, when I hear any, when I hear people call, um, ice cube a sellout, I laugh my ass off on that one. You're going to judge a motherfucker what he did when he was 17 years old and what he talked about when he was 17 years old, as opposed to when this guy has a full blown family and what he has to do for his family. He ain't selling out, man. He's providing. And if he's got to take a role of a cop, fucking lay off him. He's a fucking actor. It's not, he didn't, not like he went and joined the force and started doing the things he talked about doing. No, he portrayed a story, which usually ended up, you know, something different in the end. You know what I mean? And then you guys know what I'm talking about. It's, it's kind of like that, you know, wrestling, you're, you're, you get, you know, when you first get in the business, it's kind of the same way you're, you're, you're I was young. And my perception of the business was totally different. And I mean, you could probably, I mean, you could say that, uh, did I sell out on different things or did my ideas and beliefs change? Hell yeah, they did. I mean, like I said earlier, the, the end of the innocence song is amazing. Um, it's, it's perfect. I mean, you, you go in one way and you come out the other. It's, 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 it's kind of funny to watch. Um, So, the reasoning for it, though, in being called the boys and everything, we didn't want a nine-to-five job. I mean, when I first started, you're looking at six days a week, seven if you want, twice on Sunday, which is called a double shot, of six minutes to probably 15 tops in the ring a night, calculated up, depending on how popular popular you're in the town or you catch fire or something. I'm not even talking about baby fish, just like your merchandise or your pictures or whatnot. Um, you know, you could easily make seven fifty 
to $1,000 a week. Now, at 19 years old, working for, what, 15 to 6 to 15 minutes and then driving to another town or, or driving with your friends to wherever, you know, it's basically what you're doing, is the life. Cash every night. So, you know, hence where the boys come into play. Because when you have that much time on your hands and no supervision, I don't care what age you are. I mean, we play, you know, we play, play this make-believe world and we keep that make-believe world. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily kind of say wrestling's fake. Well, Ric Flair didn't think so, especially after hours. I've heard way too many stories about how that motherfucker lived his story. So it's kind of a fine line. You'll also... Wrestling is so crazy and unique, and like, I'm gonna try to get in, dive into this, and not get so sporadic because I could go, I could go so many different ways on this, um, because of my experiences in 23 years packed into my brain. But you, you gotta understand that that it, it, anywhere else, any other job, I'd be fired or be have a lawsuit for sexual harassment or or bullying or or, or, or um, you know the cause of someone you know, doing something bad, you know, cause you think of it, you think, you know, it, it's, it's hard cause it, it, yeah, there's certain, there's certain people get targeted because they don't take it very well like anything else. Okay. And it's like, we, it's like graduating high school to go to high school, but with wrestlers, I mean, it's crazy. You got people who don't like you cause they don't want you taking your spot. You got people who want to rip you because you're the weak one. Um, you know, only the strong survive see how you react a lot of things in professional wrestling is how you know how will this person react I wonder how this guy would react so um you know uh some of the the ribs we call them ribs the the jokes the pranks we play on each other um I can tell you a few from from some superstars I can tell you some from what I what I used to do um little stuff like this to keep ourselves entertained uh so I was at a DOA show and we were in Willamina, Oregon and um, the promoter that we were loyal to decided to go into cahoots with this other company that he was calling them. He was calling themselves a version of Portland Wrestling in Willamina. Doesn't make sense, but um, it's like, yeah, it's like. Uh, so um, we did, they, they merged, I guess, and then the the the, the goal was to buy them out. And, um, and which happened, but they sent three of us wrestlers to that promotion. And let me tell you, it was me, Big Ugly and Thunder. And I believe maybe Sullivan, Jason Sullivan, but maybe four of us, but four heavy hitters. And you should have seen their faces when we walked in there, that place. Boy, it was, boy, did a lot of wrestlers want to go talk to the promoter. <laughs> Why are they, what's they, what are they doing here? But, uh, one of the things I found, you know, when he was doing his little, um, not really farewell speech, but kind of, he was, his whole goal was to put, try to put his 16-year-old son over, wrestling men, and let me tell you something, he looked 14, so that was flaw number one, number two, he wanted to make his own WrestleMania, which was he was calling the wild card, pay-per-view, which I don't know how you have a pay-per-view without cameras, um, so there's, there's shit going on all over the place here. Um, so as he's yelling wild card in his, in this 
you know, he's 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 basically emceeing the whole the whole thing during in between match or sorry not during, in between matches but after the match yeah in between sorry in between matches not during um, but plugging the hell out of this wild card. So when he, he decides the big finale or the big time to, to explain what this whole wild card is, I realize that the speaker in the back, the locker room where he is the one he's using is like right there and as I see the cord <laughs> and the speaker the minute he gets to a good good spot I yank that cord boom, and boom he goes silent and as soon as he goes what the f-? and he starts to say fuck boom I plug it back in Blow, fuck <laughs> so, he goes oh I apologize that must have been a short circuit in one of the wires <laughs> I commenced to do this for another five minutes before our promoter peeks his head in and goes, Oh, Jeremy, stop. You know, think about doing that in a business meeting when you're in front of, you're, you're working for this bank firm or this, this firm and you're trying to pitch this huge idea and someone just pulls the microphone cord. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it's happened, but if you get caught, what do you think, what do you think would happen? You better be a top salesman or else you're fired. Um, that's just one of the funnier things that I, you know, there was one time Bubba and I, um, for some strange reason, this guy showed up at DOA and he was, uh, <laughs> he, he looked like Weird Al, okay? Weird Al with a pear-shaped body and um, he had fuzzy hair like that, uh, frizzy hair just like that. And so Big Ugly decided, like, we were kind of like wondering where the fuck he came from and we're just kind of talking that we're, you know, Bubba and I are going to have the Blanchard Brothers going to have to wrestle him and somebody else. And I was like, I don't know who this fucking guy is. And he's wearing these, well, hence the name, well, we gave him Butterscotch. It was because he's wearing these weird gear that look like Butterscotch. And um, so Butterscotch was born that night. But the funny rib was, is, and, and some people look at it as like, man, y'all cruel. But boy, you got to keep yourself entertained. Um, and this is how we used to do it. So this wrestler named Draven had these little like crisscross braids that he ended up getting cut off. And they were, you know, each braid was tightly rubber band. So they kind of stayed put. Well, they cut about three or four of them. Well, Bubba was, went out during intermission and grabbed one of those. And I don't know why he did it to begin with, but he did. And then, um, of course, being the Blanchard brothers, um, there's a couple of roach clips hanging around because, uh, well, it's no secret. It used to be a big running joke when uh, anybody would smell marijuana smoke. They'd turn around and go, the Blanchard Brothers are here? <laughs> so, yeah, we're both definitely the, the Spicoli, um, Spicoli's van first day of school when they peel out and it's just a huge, you know, burrow of smoke. But uh did a roach clip and Bubba had gone ahead and clipped that piece of hair a piece of a long piece of um, dra- uh, braid onto the roach clip, and it looks like a tail. Uh huh. Probably know this is going. So we get this plan. The minute we get in there, I start with butterscotch, and we circle. We lock up. We lock up. We do a couple just you know tussling back and forth, and we break the lock, break the lock up. Lock up again, and I do a direct go behind, which is just to shoot his arm up, go right behind him. And take him down. When I take him down, he's flat on his stomach and I'm on top there. At that moment, I took that roach clip, clipped it right on the back of his ass where tail would be. And 
he knew at that point that something was there. He could feel it, but he couldn't get to it. So it was a lot, you know, Bobby Heenan did a great job in that weasel costume about trying to chase his own tail. Well, this is a lot smaller, so trying to see this guy chase his own tail or grab whatever was back there during a match was the funniest thing I've ever freaking seen. And, of course, when he's trying to do that, I'm pounding on him. I mean, I'm punching his forehead. <laughs> um, and, of course, now the fans, fans have caught on, and it's just, you know... Um, he was a good sport. He realized it, was a, it probably got him over more than he could have done by himself because he was a nervous wreck. Um, so it's good to not have thin skin all the time, especially in this business. If you're thin-skinned in professional wrestling business, it's not going to work. It's it's really not. Um, so, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a, f- a few uh, different things that, you know, people like to do when we rib. And um, it's... Uh, it's a fun time. I mean, we got a lot of guys that are just, they're really good at it. You got a lot of guys that are really bad at it. And I don't know. I don't get ribbed that much. And I don't know if it's because being the vet or the fact that they don't want the aftermath of what would happen. Decided to rib me. Um, Kurt Henning was a big time ribber. Matter of fact, he was the cause of, well, dynamite getting his teeth knocked down his throat inadvertently. He liked to, whatever gym, whatever locker room they're in, he'd like to find um, an open lock and he'd pick somebody and just start tacking them onto their bag. So it started to get slowly, slowly, his bag would get heavier and heavier. And um, I believe he did that to, to one of the Rougeaus. And some, somehow, some way, the Rougeaus thought it was Dynamite. Because Dynamite was a just notorious, t- he, was a, he, was a, he was a mean ribber, though. Um, you know, um, you, you know, <laughs> so uh, that ended up, you know, in a fight, and Dynamite losing his teeth because he got sucker punched um, out of fear. Because Dynamite was a little sawed-off keg of Dynamite. Little brick of Dynamite. What up? Hence the name. Let's see. Um, there's some gross rippers, too. I guess Fuji was a notorious gross ripper. Um, but so was Jackie Fargo, apparently. Apparently, Jackie Fargo would walk around naked in the locker room, and then he'd sit down next to you and fully naked and peel back his foreskin on his penis and there'd be a lifesaver he'd pop that lifesaver in his mouth I mean that's that don't I mean, or in the same instance Jackie Vargo walking around naked with your toothbrush stuck up his butt I mean when uh, when Rib I used to I used to hear about um, on uh, Elton Owen who was uh, Don Owen the, the a promoter for Portland. He was, he was a promoter too as well, but his brother. And he ran the southern half of Oregon. And apparently he was a big time notorious cigar smoker. And he'd leave that thing in the locker room when they do. Someone would put that right up their ass and then boom, he'd come back in. He'd light it back up and then he had this weird look on his face. <laughs> so, usually ribs, you know, we target people who absolutely 100% deserve it. You know, but um, just think about, you know, 40, 40 year olds that you know, anywhere from 20-year-olds to 40-year-olds running around just being boys. I mean, it's it's a blast, okay? You know, it's just, it's just a, it's, it's definitely a fraternity. It's a brotherhood. It's like, a, you know, I catch you ribbing, anybody else ribbing somebody on that I rib, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll punch you in the face. That's my brother. Only I can do that. But it doesn't mean, I mean, I, I think, I, honestly, it's it's the whole rule. If, if we're not ribbing you, then, um, then I don't like you, <laughs> you know. So, um, you know, it's just, there's a lot of different things we like to do. Um, 
that uh, that would be a fireball offense, maybe even jail time for <laughs> some of the stuff that has happened. Um, I wish this is a point where you know I could have some of the boys call in and and um, share their experiences with the ribs that they uh, they've put on, but um, it's uh, it's definitely um, a thing to watch because us wrestlers. I mean, a lot of times. Like, uh, I would say that the click, you know, um, they did things that made them laugh. And that used to be a no-no because it'd be like, well, you know, you forget about the fans. Well, the fans get it when you, they can tell you guys are having more fun. Um, you know what I mean? Like, uh, if they tell you like it, they, 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 they like it. It's like... We used to, Frank Culberson's um, Portland, Portland Wrestling, we used to cut promos for just us, our sake. So it really didn't have anything to do with, we weren't talking to the the, the, the fans. And um, that got over very well, but it, some places don't like you to do that. Um, I'm trying to think if some popped back in my head and what's some of the stuff I like to do. I, I kind of slowed down and uh, the young guys, you know, it's like, um, you know, uh, um, let's see here. Oh, here's, here's my favorite. So, Here's here's a good ex- example. So Buddy Wayne, God rest his soul, up here in the Northwest, um, he was the funniest guy I ever been around in the locker room. I mean, by far. Um, and so we were at this armory when we used to tape, and we'd go all go do promos. Well, the promos were so good that there were sellouts. Like we could barely get anybody. I mean, all the boys were in that room waiting to hear what the next person had to say. And um, so. We got there early, and it was me, Buddy, Ed Moretti, my brother, a couple other people, Skag, I believe, um, uh, maybe, maybe uh, Scotty Mack. But um, in the corner, I uh, I hear water. And as I look up, Buddy Wayne is taking a piss in the mop bucket. All right? And... As I look up, he looks over his shoulder and goes, first rib of the night. And I was thinking, well, what kind of rib is that? I mean, you're pissing in that thing, and you're not, I mean, we're not going to be around. It's not just, you know, da-da-da-da. So, didn't think much of it. So, it takes about an hour to do our promo. So, as we're leaving, Buddy's in front of us. And he turns back around and goes, see, I told you. Well, down the hallway we were in was the janitor who was mopping that same floor with that piss mop bucket <laughs> so so uh there's that you know there used to be a big one gross ribs where up in the WWE if they didn't like especially some of the divas or the girls like Sable or I've heard this was Sunny um certain people would like to either shit in their bag um somebody even gone, has gone far to shit in their food um as someone shit in Lawler's crown when he first got there so, I mean, you're, you're just not safe. And the longer out on the road, the worse it gets. So, there's that aspect. I mean, really, to be honest with you, you would there's things in professional wrestling that you, that we've, that you do that just do, would not float anywhere else. Um, but that's the beautiful thing about this business. Um, it, nothing's original anymore, either as well. Okay, I mean, granted, it's it's all a take from everything. It's like it's like it's like uh, music. Like Tom Petty never never went after anybody that had a song that sounded like his, because he he's been known to say that it was uh, 
there's only three there's only so many so many three chords you can play and really songs and stuff like that are take from somebody else anyways subconsciously so uh same thing with wrestling you know you you gotta at least be smart about it though like um you can't try to steal somebody's stuff that's just this modern that's doing it right now um that's why i watch when people say well oh yeah man you watch wrestlemania no i did not you know, do you, you watch Raw? No, I did not. Uh, why not? Oh, so you're SmackDown? No, I'm not. Um, yeah, I just, I don't identify with the, identify with the product anymore. Um, I watch 80s, 70s and 80s, and, and 90s, some 90s, because that gives me the ideas back then that the, these kids that come and watch these shows, they don't, and they haven't seen these, these, these storylines or, or, or finishes or endings. And usually the dad taking them remembers, but doesn't remember exactly. As opposed to, you know, you doing everything Randy Orton did Monday, you know, the last Monday night, which is done. People do that. And um, something weird about being a vet that I've noticed is the move sets are being called by guys like. Oh yeah, uh, the Randy Orton. What the fuck are you talking? What do you mean, Randy? The Randy Orton. What the fuck's that? What, you know that kind of shit. Um, it's uh, it's definitely the business is changing. It's not. It's definitely not the same. Um, it's not the business I fell in love with. But I mean, I, I do love professional wrestling. Um, but I would rather watch eighties and nineties and seventies and, and stuff like that. Um, it just because it's because uh, it just gives me ideas that that people are like oh you know. So, as opposed to throwing a move set together that's so clustered and so it's been done so fast, that they can't see, they can't register, the, the the fans can't see what's going on, they don't know what you know what the deal is and or what just happened. Um, I'm gonna list off some things that let's just talk about WWE um, and how badly they take from people. If you don't believe me, um, we'll go through a couple of different things here that I wrote down. Um, and I only wrote down because I didn't want to didn't want to forget them. And I wrote down ten things that that, that WWE's blatant for ripping off. Number ten is um, start off number ten. Nitro inspired Raw. It's exactly like that format. It's that live format, three hours. It's exactly the same as what what Nitro was doing. Um, and basically, that's that's Raw. Now I thought it was neat that. The little moniker was Raw is War, which is just Raw spelled backwards. I think it's pretty, pretty clever. Um, but uh, other than that, it's exact, almost exactly taken from 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 Nitro. And um, basically, the Mr. McMahon characters flat out a rip off of Eric Bischoff. If you think about it, He's, I mean, everything I'm telling you right now that WWE's done, somebody's done it before them, and right like yesterday or the ne- the day after, they don't. They have no worries about doing it and, and doing it the next night, um, but trying to do it better. Um, but Mr. McMahon's, that whole, you know, coming out and being a, a heel um, presence is what Bishop did when he came back and he enjoyed that he was, they found out he was part of the NWO or whatever. Um, think about it. Uh, that's number nine. So number eight, DX is a direct ripoff of NWO. Okay, which NWO is a direct ripped off of what they did in New Japan. So there's a trickle down effect right there. But DX is just completely, a, I mean, a blatant rip off of NWO. And they're, they're, um, 
I guess what you call an answer because at that time during the Monday Night Wars and stuff like that um, Turner and NWO were just destroyed 84 weeks or something like that straight they beat Raw um, let's see here um, War Games was inspired or sorry Elimination Chamber was inspired by War Games um, if you're not familiar with War Games that was um, one of Dusty's Rhodes' brainchilds and uh, that was two rings with a top lid on top right next to each other so when you got in there you could basically go from one ring to the other with a cage all the way around it um, fun, it's a great concept still loving this day to watch those things um, Starcade was inspired WrestleMania was inspired by Starcade another one of Dusty's Dusty had the jump on the the, the, the pay-per-view kind of uh, closed circuit thing before anybody else and um, yeah that's uh, WrestleMania Starcade definitely came first it was a great idea but WrestleMania like anything else it's usually not the first really good idea it's that really good idea that someone else took and blew it up it's basically how the world works um, so let's see here uh, the cruiserweight division um, you can you can directly thank Eric Bischoff for that um, as a matter of fact without Eric Bischoff doing that then you might not see Eddie Guerrero in the WWE as a champion you know um, but he he was a, Bischoff was the first to, to really put in the cruiserweight division and really make it entertaining and um, a lot of guys came out of that but Van, you know, I mean, I'm not gonna say that Van Dam wasn't an ECW guy first, but what I'm saying is, is out of that, um, you had Malenko, you had Benoit, you had um, Guerrero, you had Mysterio, you had Juventud Guerrero, you had, you know, LaParca, whatever. How many? I mean, there's it was just peppered, um, but that was definitely uh, an Eric Bischoff thing. And Eric, but, I mean, basically, it looked like this whole attitude era thing that Vince just decided to do whatever whatever Bischoff was doing um cause uh let's see here Sting inspired the Ultimate Warrior apparently um that's Vince wanted to uh counteract Sting's popularity at the time and what better way to do it than the guy that he used to be in a tag team with that tra- he trained the same training facility and um the problem was is you know he is even though Ultimate Warrior, Ultimate Warrior looked like a million dollars, his in-ring work was terrible. Um, let's see here. Oh, the Higher Power and the Black Scorpion. Um, that one's kind of, uh, it, yeah, it, it seemed like the whole thing with Bladen. I mean, the unmasked just to reveal, you know, did it, uh, find out over, you know, later on down the road that it was Ric Flair. Um, that was just, yeah, I don't know. That's not even a good idea to begin with. <laughs> so, um, Ric Flair with the world title. He came over 92. You know, he, um, he, uh, had that, uh, that title they were, they were, they were using and, um, ended up having to like, mar- you know, mark it out, um, pixel it out or whatever. Um, but, uh, it wasn't, you know, after the merger, you know, they brought that belt back. It's now gone, but, uh, that's um, that's ten things right there that your beloved no other competition company um, only thing going to the fact where I'm sorry folks but this is something that's bothered me is when people consider WWE like the show 
and everybody else is just playing backyard wrestling, which is bullshit. I've come across guys that deserve to be in a contract that aren't because of one way or another. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that's, you know, even, even, even the best of the best take. So it's like, um, it's like me, for instance, you know, mine's the, uh, I have different, different outfits, but, uh, two of my outfits, um, one of them is a tribute to Macho Man with the three stars in the front. Um, and my tights have always have three crowns on the side for Jerry Lawler. Um, you know, uh, let's see here. The other one is, uh, got a crown on the back by Bridge Lawler, but it's also baby blue, baby blue. And it's got the, uh, lightning bolt, like the fabulous one. It's fabulous ones. Exactly. Um, you know, so, I mean, those aren't mine. Those were my original idea, but I tell you what, I guarantee you that in the Northwest, anybody that was 18 years old or younger in that audience had no idea that I was wearing the exact same pants as, or, or, sorry, tights as uh, the fabulous ones. So, nothing is safe and nothing sacred. You know, it's just, it's a, it's that kind of business. Um, they, they warned us when we first got started is don't show your finishing move if you haven't done it yet in practice or anything to another wrestler that's wrestling before you because they will do it. So sure shit, the next show they have, they will use that move and they'll, they won't lie to you about it. Oh yeah, I'm stealing it. Um, so that's, it's kind of funny because all that seems like it's childish and rant back to the boys. So um, there's, a, there's a reason for the madness. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's a it's a it's a weird business. Like I said, any other business in the world, you know, you would yeah, you you would be there long, you know. Um, but it's all part of the uh, you know, staying, oh, not not overstaying your welcome, that kind of thing too. Like um, with me, like uh, I could have kept going with you know with the concussions and, and like switch my work around to where like a lot of veterans will switch their work around and um, not take as many bumps and it, it looks like you're just frail and I, just, I didn't want to do that um, but uh, I don't miss the small scale back back uh, locker room politics kind of thing it's everywhere even in the independent scene folks people politic all the time uh, there's people with someone bearing you we call them we call it, uh, a lot of Memphis handshakes are going on with with wrestlers, and that is uh, you know the the old bro hug with you know one hand cuffed in bringing you in, and the other hand stabbing you in the back. So, person that you might think has your back the most might not. Um, that's professional wrestling. It's always we're independent contractors pitted against each other. Kind of funny stuff, but really, at the end of the day, Peter Pan syndrome is. I, Peter Pan didn't want to grow up. And I don't blame him. Because uh, when you get to go out and do something as absurd as professional wrestling, and I don't say absurd because, come, I mean, just think about it. Um, it's crazy. Um, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's just a, a business that I can't, if you're not in it, I can't, I can't fully explain it. Um, it's unique in its own right, and it just brings out the 
most colorful people. If you think about that too, artistic, colorful people that, that come together. And it's, it's um, you know, what I'm, what I like to ask, and I doubt I'll, I'll get anybody responding, but I'm gonna keep doing it just in the hopes, you know, who, who's, who's a wrestler? It, it doesn't have to be now that kind of like moved you inspired you to do something whether or not be wrestling but something just in life um and uh you know what they did for you I just it I don't know I've had I had a lot of help and and my way up and I got lucky and got to be mentored by a lot of people that were that did a lot of things and and a lot of times you know riding the roads that's that was part of your education you might have had six minutes in the ring but you had three hours to the next town that you were driving to somebody and you were listening to those stories those old timers and um, that's how you learn to, to be a storyteller um, that's it for today I'm, I'm going to do a part two on this because I didn't get to everything and I just sorry I was starting to tail off on things and, and, and going off on different directions I didn't want to lose you guys too much my brain it makes sense yours I doubt it um, hopefully this is helpful to you um, and a little bit of insight on, on, on the pranksters and jokesters that we all are um Thank you for tuning in once again. Uh, our sponsor is the World Famous Flea Market. They uh, have shows every Tuesday at noon off on YouTube. It's the best of the worst in professional wrestling with the greatest commentary team ever put together. Hot Johnny August, Ross, I'm drunk Vegas. These two are crazy. And uh, well, they have a friend, that, they have a friend, a famous friend that pops in every now and then. So you got to tune in to see who that is. Um, but uh, I appreciate the support. Um, we're slowly but surely gaining more people, and that's nice. Um, I was hoping I wouldn't be too sporadic to where people were like, yeah, I can't take that guy. But I got a lot of stories and a lot of friends and the wrestling, of the wrestling, of the wrestling business. I won't, I won't um, confine myself to just wrestling. I, you know, um, I love music. I love writing. I love all sorts of stuff. So it's going to be a, one of those things where it's like, what does the day bring? Um, you know, why was it? Well, you know, it's little life things. So we're all we all got to be here for each other, or else this place is gonna be bad, man. It's only getting worse. So we need you need help. Pick somebody up. Don't tear them down. Um, you know, it, it's one of the reigning jokes is, and I'm sure I'll have to explain this to my mama when uh, she's I see her next. But uh, you know, the whole ending where I say you know sugar and sugs and sugets and thank you for for tuning in. And if you didn't tune in. Well, fuck you. Well, it's hilarious because if you didn't tune in, how are you going to even... <laughs> that's a joke. It's obviously a joke. I'm not trying to be a... Hey, go fuck yourself. You're not listening, you know, listening to my show. Um, it's just kind of a funny thing. Because, like, how in the world... Yeah. <laughs> so if you're not listening, fuck you. Well, that, where's that landing? Who's it going to? Who's it towards? So with that being said, Shugs and Shugettes, thank you for joining. And those who didn't, go ahead and say it. Fuck you. Until next time.